0: Welcome to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. I am Dr. John, the guide for your heroic journey towards greater health, success, and most importantly, happiness. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Dr. John, back with the latest episode of the Evolved Caveman Podcast. And I am psyched to have with me today Michael Peterson. And Mike has over three decades of business building, marketing, and a lifetime of professional fitness. His no BS authentic approach to inspire and motivate growth-minded business owners to high levels of success is his mission and passion. He is the author of Dominate Your Market, No BS Impact Strategies to Explode Your Business Revenues, Have More Energy, and Get the Life You Really Want. Mike, how are you doing? Welcome aboard.
1: John, thank you so much for having me. I'm pretty pumped. I, you know, I, I love what you're doing, and uh, it, it definitely vibes with me like straight across. So I'm pretty excited.
0: And and you focus on men too. So tell me a little oh, bit yeah. about your story. How did you come to the point of writing the book?
1: Um, yeah, great question. The book was a culmination of the last 25 years of my life. Um, you know, I was a private fitness trainer for 20 years up in Portland, Oregon, and I actually my market was male. CEOs privately in their home. And, and I, these guys, you know, very successful men, $50 million, $80 million, sold businesses, millions, all these things. And I would go in their home and they were broken. Mm. Absolutely broken. They were broken physically. They were broken mentally, their relationships, you know, the, you know back then 25 years ago, the modern feminist probably wouldn't like what I'm going to say right now. But back then, you know, the wife wasn't working. And most of them were seeing therapists, the wives, because the men were what? 24-7 in their businesses and focused on their businesses. And, and the wives, you know, felt kind of left alone. This was back in the day. It's changed a lot dramatically now, as we know. But I would go into these homes when the door shut behind me and I was like, wow, these men, you know, on the surface were written up in newspapers up there. You know, they were like poster childs. And then you go in and you start talking to them and they're just broken in every way.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting because one of the quotes that I love from your book is you can't, take your, you can't take your company with you when you die. So why let it put you in the grave? And I've had a similar experience in the sense that I've seen a number of executives just run their physical, emotional, and spiritual health into the ground by being addicted to work primarily. And I think that starts off with a good value. I want to provide for my family. But somewhere along the line, it gets warped and it, it morphs into something that's not serving them. So, what's your experience there personally or with your clients? Tell me more.
1: Well, well I think the big thing is um, in the past. You know, again, things are so different now with you know the modern feminist and all of that. But uh, I really, I have a passion to work with men. It's who I. That's my alpha attitude. You know, ex athlete, ex everything. That's who I work with. I work mostly with men. But I think we were. Brought up, and we were kind of brainwashed that that we identify with our success in business. Men identify with their success in business. You know, I heard it. I heard a phrase a couple of weeks ago, and I really thought, "Oh my God, this is crazy!" Because uh, I'm I'm a single man now. I'm divorced at four years, right? And I've dated a lot, a lot of women. We don't want to get into that. We don't want to get into that. But a lot. I'm going to write a book on it to be honest with you. Um, for men, the book's going to be for men. But but. Here's the phrase uh, that I heard. I didn't come up with it, so if, if you have female listeners, don't bash me. Women market with their skin. Men market with their success. <clears throat> and I was like, well, and just go go to social media. There it is. The, you know the men are with their planes and cars and their toys. And a lot of the women are very, 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 very sexual. You know, they, they're, they, they show, especially if they look good. If a woman is in shape, she's going to show it on social media. No doubt. And I've blocked on my Instagram. I don't even do Instagram anymore, but on my Instagram, I have blocked probably 500 women in the last couple of months, 500 of them. Because how many selfies can you take of yourself showing all of your stuff? I don't want to see it. It brings me no value. Okay. Instagram, I I got to a point where I thought, is Instagram bringing me any value? And I was like, zero.
0: Well, yeah, I think you could probably say the same for most social media these days, um, depending on how you use it. But so let me turn to how can a high achieving professional get their physical health right?
1: Well, number one, um, drop all the excuses. You know, I talk about that in my book, right? Chapter one, don't bullshit yourself. You know, drop the excuses. You know, oh, it's raining out. I thought I was going to go on a run, but it's raining, so I can't do anything at all today. Yeah, right. Okay, right? Or, you know, gosh, I I hurt my ankle or I hurt my elbow and I just can't do anything today. Yeah, that's one part of your body. I'm sorry. That's one little part of your body. You know, so it's really it's coming it's becoming truthful to yourself. You know, that 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 song by Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. Mm. Boom wake up every morning and look in the freaking mirror and have a conversation with yourself and be and make it as authentic talk out loud if you have to right say these things in the mirror out loud like if your thought is it's raining today i'm not going to work out then look in that mirror and say that and tell me let me know how that makes you feel it's well, it's yeah, raining I i'm not going to work out
0: you know when it comes to working out or getting to the gym i find it only takes one thought to deter us. For instance, you know, you're in bed, you're covered, you're under the covers and you're like, oh man, it's so cold out there. Boom. That's like, that's enough to keep you under the covers.
1: Yeah. There's always that little guy on your shoulder, right? And Mm -hmm. he's, he's chirping away. He's chirping away at you. Like, you don't need to go just take a day off. You, 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 you went out drinking last night. You're a little tired. You know, what's one day going to mean? What's one day again? It's nothing. Well, one day leads into two, leads into three, leads into seven, leads into a month, leads into a year, and then you're
0: assuming they've started. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, that might not be a good assumption.
1: I've had these CEOs. I had a CEO sit across the table from me one time, and it was kind of funny because this is a great story. So at the at the time, I just shot a. I was I was doing fitness modeling back in the day, and I just shot a three day three full day infomercial that was seen all over the world for a piece of machinery. It was a, remember a solo flex back in the day? Uh huh. This was a competitor of solo flex called Nordic flex gold by Nordic track. Okay. So I shot this video. So I was ripped, just ripped and cocky. And I went into this guy's home who's just sold his company for $85 million and big fat guy. And we, I sat across his kitchen table and he says, why are you even here? And remember he sought me out. I didn't seek him out. And he says, he's testing me. He goes, why are you even here? I go, you need me more than I need you. I, and I didn't even hesitate saying that to that guy. He hired me. He says, how much are you? And I was charging a lot of money back then. I was, I was the highest paid trainer in Portland by double, probably. I took, I took the average rate and doubled it because I knew I was tr- working with guys that their health, their health was worth millions of dollars, yeah. millions of dollars. So it really is just. These guys, you know, and human beings by nature are lazy, right? The United States is one of the fattest countries in the world. And it's getting worse. Go to any mall, go to any theater, movie theater, and look at the children even. And when you see the child, if the child's overweight, I will bet you a million dollars I can look right up to that parent and the parent's going to be overweight. So now I'm going to say something very, very harsh. I'm going to blame that parent for that child.
0: I'm going to blame that
1: parent for that child.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and we definitely have an obesity epidemic in Massive. the United States. Massive. And I I mean like I was just over in Italy and it's a dramatic difference. Um just in in how people maintain their their physical being. Um so I mean, how do you um do you just focus on the physical or do you no. also focus on the mental, the emotional like all of it? Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. my book covers a lot of that mindset, the, thoughts, all that.
0: Because one of the things that you mentioned is getting real with yourself to achieve your dream life, and the fun, one of the funny things I've I've seen in my clients is many of them have a hard time going to a positive future to even conceive of that dream life, and then there's other people that spend a lot of time there, but. What's been your experience with that positive future and people seeing out to what their dreams and goals and intentions are?
1: Well, um, I've done a lot of studying. I've, I've read over 200 personal development books in my lifetime, 200 of them. Um, so, And I love it. I love psycho- human psychology. I probably should have got a degree in psychology back in the day. But but I really feel like human beings don't make a decision until what I call the pain is great enough. Not the pleasure, the pain right? And I don't know if you read my book, do not say the ending, but my ending, did you read the very ending of my book, the little story at the end? I haven't gotten that far. Okay. It is phenomenal. And it was, I literally got a client hire me. He read the book, that last story, he was like, dude, that story, like I, he reached out to me literally after he read the story, boom, like that, but it's pain, right? So, okay. It's like this. So if somebody's been overweight for two decades, right? And they're getting bigger and bigger, right? Well, they might have what I call a trigger moment. They see a picture and they've seen a hundred pictures of themselves, but they see one picture from behind or at an event, this or that. And they go, oh my God, look at me. Look at that picture. I got goosebumps all in my body right now. And that trigger was like enough to say the pain was so great for them to look at that picture that they said, I am not living like this anymore. So it's not so much painting a a future of positivity. People, human beings don't make decisions until the pain gets great enough, in my opinion. Because you can think of your future and you can look at, oh, I want it to be this. And I picture myself being fit and running miles and miles. That's That's not a motivating factor for a lot of people.
0: No, I I agree that I think pain is the initial motivation. I I think pain is stronger than pleasure. I think, you know, we know there's a negativity bias in the human mind by a factor of three or four to one. We overfocus on the negative. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out how do you get your clients to get in touch with that dream life? So let's say they come in because of the pain. But what I found is some people have a hard time even conceiving of that dream life.
1: You know, a lot of times what I'll say is, um, when do you think you felt and looked your best? Like, how old were you? Well, God, probably 21, 24, you know, way right before I went to college. They're, they're, they'll say a, a phase of their life, right? Yeah. And I'll say, do you have any pictures? Oh, lots of pictures. I said, pull one out. They pull it out. on, of course, they're you know, way lighter and maybe more hair or all that stuff, right? And, but I'll say, well, if you look at that picture and go back to that, Like, of course, life changes. You're married, children, responsibilities, stress, all of that to tack that on. But can you get back into that mindset of of that body right there? You're looking at that, that mind and think, how did you feel? Oh, I felt amazing. God, I this and I that. And I back then I was running. I was this. I was doing all these things. I say, well, how does that make you feel right now? If you go back then and look at that, God, it feels kind of good. I kind of like that bottle it up, bottle that feeling and put it front and center in your mind. Now, go back to that feeling every time you have a sense of like, let's say you're going to start walking 15 minutes a couple of days a week. Just really, really basic stuff. But you know, you have that day, the self-talk says, I'm tired, I don't want to do it or whatever. Well, you could most people would say, yeah, just one day is not going to matter. It doesn't matter one day, right? But I, but I say, go look at that. that, remember that vision of how good you felt at that point of your life. And take, take a picture, tack that sucker on your, your bathroom wall, whatever, and keep, have that as a go back to yourself. That's just one strategy, by the way. But yeah. it's just, it's a way to, you know, you've got to, you've got to go look at where you came from because a lot of people, they're so far gone from a health standpoint. Mental is a whole different story. That's a whole different story. But from a health standpoint, they're so far gone. They're like, you know what? I'm 55. I got what I got, you know. I'm just going to ride it out. I'm just going to ride it out. Well, we know how that turns out: heart attack, diabetes, you know, years off your life, all of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I mean, there is research to back up that idea that, like, let's start with someone that's depressed, and there's three proven methods to deal with depression. There's medication, meditation, and exercise, and exercise is shown to be. The best of those because you come away with a sense of self efficacy that you have some control over this. Whereas if you're using the medication, there's a higher probability of relapse um, into a depressed state. So, yeah, I I think exercise is one of the keys to a number of things. Um, But how do you? So, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was mindset and how, like, a CEO's mindset enters into that equation between success and business.
1: You know, I, 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 you know, Simon, 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 I don't know. Simon Sinek. Yeah. Sinek. There you go. Right. Yeah. You know, you're why, right? Like Mm -hmm. you, you, you got to, and I do it on a daily basis. You know, why do I do what I do every day? Cause I'm a grinder and I'm, I I do a lot of stuff. I, I, you know, I, my ex-wife would tell you that, well, I've got the word relentless tattooed on my body. There you go. There you go. So relentless is a big word for me. Right. So. You know, but every day I say, why, why, why do I do it? Why do I? And so I reflect a lot. So, you know, really a CEO, what's your why? What's the end goal here, sir? You know, whether they're 45, 50, 55, 60, what's your end goal? Is it to sell the company? Is it to leave it to your kids? Do you identify? Do you identify so strongly with your success that that it's a make or break for you? The success or failure of your company is so identifying with you that it really is affecting every part of your life. So, you know, I really think people need to find out what their why, you know, and it sounds fluffy and I'm not, I, I don't like fluff. Uh If you read my book, you know, there, there's no fluff. It's just right at it. But I do believe that from a psychology standpoint, you do have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why do I have this job? Why do I get up and do this? What, you know, get, get to that. And you have to keep going deeper because a lot of people might be like, Oh, I do it for my kids. Why? Well, you know, I want to leave a legacy. Why? And you just keep it going deeper and deeper and deeper till you get a human, you get a man. I've had men crying
0: before, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And these are, I mean, I work with some pretty manly men.
0: Well, and, and you know, mindset's interesting because I think we can break it down into specific domains and there's research to back up how powerful mindset is in a Huge. number of domains. Like weight loss, pain management, aging, stress, um, learning. And you know one of the ones that I, I love is a study by Aliyah Crum at Stanford who looked at um, women who served as, they were people that cleaned in hotels. I'm losing the term for it, but none of them believed that their work qualified as exercise. Oh, wow, jeez. And so, and yet, you know, they're changing the bed linen, vacuuming, cleaning the bathroom, all these burn calories, and they're doing this eight hours a day. And so she had a control group that she didn't really do anything to. And then she had another group that she just taught for, I think, three minutes that their work qualifies as exercise, according to the Surgeon General, and broke down each task as these are the amount of calories you're burning. And just from that change in mindset of how they perceived work, I think it was two to four weeks later. They had dropped weight. Their hip to waist ratio shrunk. The oh, blood pressure gosh. went down, and they were more engaged in their work. And, and so that's just an example of how powerful mindset can be. And the cool thing about mindsets is they can be changed like that. On an instant, it's just a decision. And you know, you find out that oh, this mindset or this perception way of looking at things is better for me let me make a decision to embrace that mindset. Um, so yeah, it's mindset is incredibly important. Well, you know, so I, kind of along those, along those lines, how do you get, how do you teach people to get out of your own way to succeed in business?
1: Well, it's, you know, you have to break it down into little buckets, right? Because I think everybody is so overwhelmed right now. And especially, uh, you know, typically I work with men, you know, it's, it's almost across the board. Um, and they they have so much on their plate you know and family stresses and work stresses and health stresses and all these things that if you if you come at it from a holistic standpoint of everything it's too overwhelming it's just too overwhelming so you have to you have to prioritize things and when you prioritize it you say you know hey joe what's like the biggest challenge you're having right now well i can't sleep at night because uh, every night i go to bed and i think about this thing whatever it may be right Okay. Would you, would, would you say that's the number one thing right now? Yes. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on that. Right. And how can we chip away at that? How can we just get, you know, little minor improvements to chip away at that. So you start getting momentum to feel like you've turned the corner and it's achievable to conquer that, that challenge, that mindset challenge you're going through. Right. But it's, it's just, you have to, it's bite-sized chunk. You have to chunk it down. And that same thing, even I'll go back to exercise for a minute. So mm-hmm. I used to get people that would hire me and, you know, they, they, they put on a lot of weight, right? And they say, well, how long is this going to take? And they were very flippant, you know, and, and here's a guy, me, I work out seven days a week, knock on wood. Still today, I work out seven days a week, right? So it's a huge part of my life, but they, they, you know, they flippantly say, how, and look at my hand, like, how long is this going to take? Right. You know, and I say, I say, well, how long has it been since you let yourself go? And they go dead quiet, right? And I I go, what? Just give me an idea of when you really started feeling like you started putting on weight, not this end weight where you're 40, 50 pounds. Well, 25 years ago. So you think, what time frame do you think is realistic to turn this thing around when it's been 25 years of accumulation to get where you're at now? Right? And it's a wake up to them because fad diets, diet pills, all the shit that's out there right now. I just can't stand it. There's a new diet book every day on the market, right? Mm-hmm. And 25 years ago, I had a phrase I used to tell these CEOs, if diets work, there'd be one. There'd be one, not the blood diet, the sugar diet, the carb diet, the this keto diet, all these things, because of all the new diet books that have come out, why in our country are we still getting heavier with all that information out there, right? So I really think going back to that CEO, it's, it's putting it in buckets. And you could have health, mindset, business, right? And you could have these in buckets. And now you could chip away at each one of those. Um, and even, you know, sometimes I'll have a call with, with a CEO client and we'll spend, you know, 10 minutes on this, 10 minutes on that, 20 minutes on the business. A lot of it's business because they're bringing me on to grow their revenues by fixing their sales bottlenecks, their marketing bottlenecks and all of that. But so I would always say that, that probably. of my call is always going to be on business growth strategies. Mm -hmm. But then I I really want to get into helping more and more CEOs work on their health, work on their mindset. Because if you don't have your health, and I say it in the book, if you don't have your health and you don't have the right mindset, good luck being successful, right? You're going going to die 10 years younger.
0: Yeah. And and let's talk a little bit about limiting beliefs or self-limiting beliefs, because I think these come up a lot for people. I mean, you can feel... Not worthy of being successful, you can feel not worthy of making creating wealth, you can feel not worthy of love or happiness. And, and I think our own beliefs can really hamstring us in terms of success.
1: Yeah, well, I I think one the, the one word that comes to my mind when you say limiting beliefs, imposter syndrome. Yep. Right? That's and again, and, one. and I, I have it, you know. I mean, it's so I come across so strong, because it's just who I am, that. I don't ever want somebody to think I think I'm perfect because, oh my God, am I far from that, right? I'm a work in progress every day. The evolved caveman, I love your word evolved.
0: Well, it should be evolving, but thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> well we should all be evolving every yeah. day, right? All yeah. of us. And, you know, um, it's so funny. I did a dating app one time a while back and I'll never do it again. It was horrible. It was just ridiculous, ridiculous. But one phrase I put on there was, um, self-awareness is really important to me. And a lot of the women like that because I guess a lot of men didn't say that. So they would, they would hit me up and go, you know, tell me more about this self-awareness. I'm like, I'm not your coach. I'm not going to get into that. Right. I mean, but they wanted to know my mindset behind that. And I just said, well, it's pretty self explanatory. It's just work on your shit, work on your shit. Right. So I think, you know, self-awareness and when you get into that imposter feeling, it can go into your family life, your business life, your personal life, imposter, like, you know, I'm a fraud. you know, I, I'm i not who, I, you know, I'm trying to project this and I'm not that guy. And so I think we all, I don't know about you, but I know for me, even writing the book, probably I wrote, I wrote this book in 47 days. Wow. So, yeah, well, you know, it's kind of funny. I took, I took a challenge on by a female uh, writing coach. Who I got on the phone and she said, well, what's your budget? And I said, well, how much do you charge? She said, to coach, to coach me on writing the book. She said, $25,000. And I said, yeah, no, no. And I did boom like that. She goes, and she got kind of an attitude. She goes, really? I go, yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm not going to spend $25,000 to have somebody coach me on writing the book. And she said, well, what's your time frame, Right. And she, and, and I go, well, what do you think? She goes, have you started the book? I said, no, it's just right up here. And she goes six months to a year. I said, I'll get it done in 90 days. And she said, good luck with that. My last word was on day 47. And I sent her an email saying the book's done. And of course, I had to go into editing and all that stuff, right? So I really took that as a challenge. Like, screw you. Like, I'm getting this thing done, right? But during the book writing, many times imposter creeped in.
0: Well, yeah. And I feel, I mean, like if I look at myself, the imposter syndrome comes up most for me when I'm presenting to people that I worry are smarter than me. So, like, I've seen it when I'm presenting to psychiatrists and psychologists. And and then I get, you know, really nervous and self doubt creeps in. Um, Where do you see imposter syndrome come up the most for you?
1: Um, Well, definitely not on the fitness side, for sure. It's definitely not on the health and fitness side because that's just a big chunk of my life. But Probably in business, um, very similar to you. I'll get on a zoom call with a CMO of a big corporation, right? And he starts talking and even just the way he's talking, like his, his breadth of knowledge and the words that are coming out and all these things. I'm like, Jesus, what I, it, it, you know, it, it's, it made me feel a lot less. But then I thought, okay, this guy has been a CMO for 20 years. He's worked in the corporate world for a, $100 million company. I've always been a solo consultant, solo everything. right? And so my world is a lot different than his world. But then I did say one thing to him that was very, very... It made me feel a lot better. He said, well, what's your... He said to me, what's your background? And I said, well, I launched a website that did pretty good back in 2001. And he goes, well, tell me about that. And I said, well, I took golf and fitness, my two passions. Fitness was my profession And I became a rabid golfer and I launched the world's first golf fitness membership website in 2001. And he got really intrigued with that, right? Because I said, well, have you ever done anything like that? He goes, no, no, I've been a C-suite my whole life, right? Well, there was my competitive advantage right there because all of a sudden I started talking about that and I'm content marketing, video marketing, YouTube channel, all this stuff. And he's like, whoa. And all of a sudden that imposter syndrome quickly went away. Because we all bring to the table, you know, you're who you are, John. I, I am in mean, who I am, Michael. Nobody is me. Nobody is you. And that goes back to that, you know, personal brand is a big buzzword now, especially even on LinkedIn, right? Go your personal brand, personal brand. I've been doing that for 25 years, right? You know, even back when I was fitness modeling, I was a personal brand, but there was no social media back then. There was nothing, zero. There, there was no, there wasn't one of these back then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was nothing. But I do believe that there is something to say about personal brand and embracing what you bring to the table, regardless of what's out there around you. You know, the, the CMO guy, all these people. There are so many brilliant people out there. It's insane. I yeah. meet people every day that are so smart. I do every time I talk to somebody. A little bit. There's a little Michael on the show. It's kind of like. Dude, you don't know anything. Look listen to this person. Like, geez, they're, you know what I mean? But then I quickly say, I take that little guy off my shoulder, I throw him off my shoulder. I just swipe him off my shoulder and I go, Don't listen to that, don't listen to that little dude anymore. He's he's not serving you well.
0: Well, and I, I think you're right. I think that we all bring different sets of knowledge, different experiences, different personality to any work that we do and, and other areas as well. But um, I, I like that, you know, Howard, Howard Gardner's, you know, seven types of intelligence, just as a reminder that everyone has different strengths that they bring to the table, whether it's verbal intelligence or quantitative intelligence or musical or uh, kinesthetic or, Creative. you know, musical. Um, and so just reminding myself that. I know a little bit about one area or two areas and they know a little bit about some other areas. And and I think, you know, (laughs) I remember being in the PhD program at Cal and just realizing how much I don't know, because you could be doing a PhD dissertation in one really razor thin area and there's someone else next to you doing it in another area. And you're like, wow, these areas are pretty similar, but I don't know anything about what they're doing.
1: Crazy. That's crazy. Wow. Wow.
0: So speaking of which, how do you teach other people to be comfortable being uncomfortable? Cuz I think that's a really big skill.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that's a chapter in my book, right? Getting out, mm-hmm. getting out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, it's um it's I've had people say, you know, have you ever cold called me? Like that asked me, "Have you ever okay. made a cold call?" Probably 10,000 of them. A lot. A lot. Wow. Way back in the day, right? Um You know, I was, you know, I was mowing lawns at the age of nine, knocking on neighbor's doors that I never didn't even know, pushing my lawnmower because I want to make money at the age of nine, knocking on the door. Hey, Mr. Johnson, you know, I'm Michael down the street, you know, your yard, can I mow it? No, no, don't need it. Next door. Knock, knock, knock. Right. Well, was I thrilled to do that? No. But what was the driving desire? I wanted money. At nine years old, I knew I wanted money. So, the driver was knocking those doors because you're going to get a yes and you're going to make money, right? So, I really think that um, for a lot of people, a lot of people, God, the mind is such a crazy, crazy thing, you know, that I I think comfort zones, if you let yourself talk about the feeling of discomfort too long, it's over. It's over, right? If you talk Hmm. about like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. Oh, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. All that self talk, it's over. Like it it was over four or five statements ago, right? You you have to just put it in a box. Put it out, it's it's sitting in this box floating out there. It's and it's no big deal. Who cares? Right. Like, you know, I mean, even inviting people on my podcast, I got a note earlier today. The first out of 24 knows. And at first I kind of was like, Who are you to say no to me? Like, this is a great podcast. What are you talking about? No. But then the second part of me was like, hey, best of luck to you, man. Take care. Right. But then within the no, which got me uncomfortable. Right. I I kind of kind of made me feel a bit less. Right. Yeah. Wow. It stings. Stings a little bit. Within 30 seconds, I sent my next invite out. Because if you if you bask in that negativity. If you stay too long in that that zone of God, He just said no to me. God, that feels like shit. I am gonna soak for a while. It's over.
0: It's over. I I like the um, the mental jujitsu approach. of I remember I was talking with a client, and he was saying that he had a friend, and they're I think they're up in Chico, and they're going out bar hopping, and he was trying to get his friend was trying to get him to meet some women. And he was not was not comfortable approaching women in bars, and so he said, "All right, you know, I'll go out with you tonight, but there's one condition." I was like, "What's that?" He said, "Well, you have to get three rejections before we can leave any bar." I love
1: it, love that. And
0: it's it's brilliant in the sense of it turns the rejections into the goal. And, and you can take that and apply it to cold calls or sales calls. And, you know, okay, I'm going to make calls until I get, I don't know, 10 rejections, whatever the number is, but use those as, okay, cool. I got one rejection, check. So that rejection has less sting and actually becomes desirable rather than undesirable.
1: That's beautiful. That is so, that's that's gold right there. Yeah, because now now you don't focus on that, that how it feels, how it makes you feel inferior. makes you feel negative. It makes you feel like, like a failure, right? Like, Oh God, I keep getting these no's this, I don't want to do it anymore. As opposed to, you know, like the bar, I'm going to go get three rejections. I'm going to, I'm going to go like, I'm, I'm hell bent. I'm going to go do, I'm going to start right now.
0: And, you know, just that idea of, you know, you, you've mentioned like feeling inferior or feeling less than, I think that's a really powerful feeling in most of us. And it's, it comes as a result of these social comparisons that we're making all the time. And I used to try and teach clients to stop making the social comparisons, you know, bigger bicep, better car, better job, more money, yeah. better house, all that stuff, <laughs> yep. which you can always find. And then more recently, there's been research showing that that tendency, that need to compare ourselves to others is hardwired into the brain. So it seems that we cannot stop making social comparisons. I think the best we can do is go, oh, I'm making the comparisons again, call it out, name it, and then try and get away from it. But now, I, that, those whole social comparisons are pretty fascinating to
1: me. Now, now, would you say, now, so is your focus like mine, is your focus mostly men? I would assume. Yes. Okay, perfect. So men, like we talked about before, men market with their success, women market with skin. You know, and that's debatable and can be very, I could, I would never put that in the public, you know, sector, but, but just go online and you can see even on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. I don't know if you've noticed there is more and more women shooting selfies every day. Hmm. And what happened was, and I heard somebody tell me this, that when COVID hit, a lot of people were in the home more and working from home more. Well, a lot of people moved over from Instagram to LinkedIn to find a remote job they're spending more time on LinkedIn well they took their Instagram approach and <clears> put it right on LinkedIn and sure enough uh you know I see it I see it every day you know um it's not and it and I'm going to make a prediction more and more women are going to do it more often they're going to do it more often because what happens is you get these thirsty pathetic men that blow up that post blow it up hearts and mo just like on Instagram these men are feeding into it. And and then now, now it's a, it's a feel good for the lady. She's like, wow, look at this. I do a post and I get 500 likes on my LinkedIn. This is amazing. Dopamine. Right. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that when you focus on that, get back to that rejection, I think that's a beautiful thing because I think a lot of us fear it so badly. Right. And I think with the men, you know, I, I had a mentor of mine, my last personal training client in the home he was the number three number three guy in Intel. So can you imagine how how high up he was? He was reporting to Andy Grove, the CEO back then. Andy Grove, mm-hmm. right? Big, 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 big guy. Um, he was my client and and I trained him for ten years in his home here in Arizona. Um, and he became almost a father figure to me because I, I really never had a father, so to speak. And he said he said he said two or three things to me that I will take to my grave, and one was this. He goes, and he, this is a very wealthy guy and a handsome man too, by the way, married. But, you know, back then he was probably 55, 6'2", kind of, kind of a, like a, not George Clooney, uh, Richard Hamilton. Richard Hamilton, is that okay, his name? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. He could be, they could be brothers for sure. Good looking, silver haired guy. Red, he said to me one day, he goes, Mike, I want to tell you something. There will always be somebody richer, smarter, better looking. And he goes, you know, God forbid it for you fitter than you, right? And and when he said that, I just I entr- it just whoosh. I walked out to my car and it it changed me forever. Yeah. Because that there you go, right? That if we get stuck in our own world of I'm this, I'm that, whether it's on a negative standpoint or a positive standpoint, right? You have to circle back around to no, 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 no. I could walk out this door right now and there's somebody fitter than me. Right. And there's somebody that's richer than me and somebody that's smarter than me. So you have to keep it all in perspective and stay in your wheelhouse. What do you want out of your life? It, who gives a shit what somebody else has, how much the car they have, the home they have, the money? Who cares?
0: Well, I, I think part of what we're doing is, you know, I think as men, we're socialized to compete, which fuels those social comparisons. And I, I think that we get trained to look for external validation. In other sure. words, uh, you know, the likes on Instagram, or you know, compliments from other people, or I'm doing better than that guy in some way. And I, I think one of my, it's only a hypothesis, I have nothing to back this up, but I think one of the hallmarks of becoming a mature, functional adult male, is moving and maybe female too. I don't know, is moving from external validation to more internal validation where we are giving ourselves props for acting in accordance with our deepest values.
1: Mm. And, and I think
0: once we get to that, I think we can, you know, kind of use our values to guide our, um, our behaviors as a rudder on a ship and we have less need of the external validation.
1: I love that. Well, I love the idea of, of flipping that around to going internal. Because it really, it all starts mind, it's all internal, then yeah. it goes external, right? And so I think a lot of people focus on the external part, you know, the, the car, the boat, the this, the that, you know, for men. And you're right, because men by nature are competitive, we, we're hunters. Go back to, there's your caveman, caveman, mm-hmm. right? You leave in the morning and you go out and you, come, you bring back to your wife and family the biggest animal or whatever. It is literally in our DNA. And, and I know, I know for me, I'm a hunter, no doubt. Every day I'm a hunter. Every day I get up and I'm hunting. And, um, you know, and women, by the way, find that extremely attractive, right? Cause that, that's, that goes back to that, you know, I mean, when, when you're, when you're a man who's not ambitious, when you're a man that's not driven, you're a man that doesn't have goals, you're a man that doesn't have any aspirations and you don't have a purpose, that's very unattractive to a woman. Very unattractive, right? And so I think a lot of men, as, as they, maybe they're 20 years into a marriage and they've let themselves go and they're comfortable in their job and they're really not doing much, but laying around the house, right? So they're not on purpose. They, they, instead of a high value man, they become a low value man. Well, that woman is not going to desire you anymore. She's not going to respect you anymore, right? And pretty soon the marriage breaks up, right? And then you wonder what happened. And a lot of times a woman just says, he just doesn't give a shit anymore. He just doesn't care. Look at him. Like, look at him. Right. And women are in the same boat too. A lot of women let themselves go and all that. So it's two sides to that. But I think for men, you've got to have a purpose. You've got to have something to wake up for in the morning. And, and that purpose could be part business, could be part personal, but without a purpose, you got no why. You have no reason to do anything. You know, yeah. And, and, and I think
0: through life. You know, one of those, I agree that men need a purpose. I think humans need a purpose. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, the findings that really fascinates me is to have a self transcendent purpose or value is immensely powerful in terms of fueling a happy life. So, in other words, you have to think beyond self, you have to have, like, it might be a nonprofit. That you love. It might be trying to cure cancer. It might be trying to clean the ocean, whatever it is to have a purpose beyond self is massive.
1: A purpose beyond self. Holy crap. I've never, I've never heard that phrase before.
0: That's pretty intense. Yeah, I like. And, and you can still have, you know, like I think, you know, keeping your body physically fit and, you sure. know, it, it, that's still appropriate. I just don't know that that's the purpose that can be a, a value or a goal. Yeah. Um, But to and and you know your purpose might even be family, but even that is bigger than yourself. And and so I I think that's it's a nice delineation in my mind to be like, okay, is that purpose self transcendent? Is it bigger than just me? Because I I, to me that's the goal we're shooting for.
1: Well, you know, I you know one question I started asking myself pretty recently, by the way, and I just turned fifty nine like three weeks ago. So um, again, evolving every day, every day, every day. So I think when I have a thought or when I have something that happens in my right brain, I think, who is that serving? Is that serving me? Is that serving? Who is it serving? I ask that question to myself. And that really was profound for me. Right. You know, because a lot of people from a very, I call it fluffy, you know, I'm here to serve people. I'm here to serve. Right. You know, and I don't know how authentic that is. You know, when somebody says that, cause I don't know who they, that person is. But I think you have to ask yourself, like when you get a thought, who is that thought? Ser- is that serving me in a positive way? Is it serving that me in a ne- negative way? Is it serving somebody else? Right? So I like that, the question of who is that serving? And is it serving me or them in a positive or a negative way? Right? So that's another way to yeah. reframe it.
0: Yeah, uh, I like that. And then, you know, the other question to ask yourself, if you want to sit and spin on the toilet for a while is who is doing the thinking? Who's having the thought? Because one of the things I'm always trying to teach my clients is to go meta and to step out of the thought stream and to look down the thought stream and ask, you know, who's doing the thinking? Hmm. Are these thoughts serving me? Um, to what extent? Can I come up with a different interpretation for that person's behavior? That kind of thing, rather than taking too personally.
1: So it's your podcast, but I'm going to ask you the question. What do you yeah. mean by when you work with them Who's doing the thinking? Explain that for a minute.
0: Because I think that we get too um, enmeshed in our own thinking and our own emotions. So when we do that, we can get lost in our thought stream. And you can begin to believe the thoughts like, I'm an idiot. Mm. I'm a loser. Whatever the, the negative thought is, I can I can look for and find evidence to support that thought of, I'm an idiot because I've done stupid stuff in the past.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: but it doesn't serve me. And so in order to get out of that dynamic, you have to practice stepping back from... And, and I think the first step is stopping believing that you are your thoughts, because that totally screwed me up for many years where I just thought I was my thoughts, right? Yep. And then I'm like, oh, wait, and my emotions are in my body, so I got to pay attention to my body. And then... I So now I think of myself as kind of this being, I guess, that floats above my mind and can, when I'm on point... Look down at what my mind is doing and comment on it. Use strategies to get out of it or think more positively, um, and and that's I think it's a great way to go. And it also ensures that I'm in the present moment.
1: You know, you know, I, I almost like I, I relate it to like an out of body experience, where you're sort of you know you there's you're out here somewhere, floating out there, looking in. Right. It's kind of what you just said. I mean, and so yeah, you kind of yeah. look you look from external, you look internal and you, and you really, it's almost this, it's an out-of-body experience. It really is to where you can catch yourself.
0: And and it's, yeah, it's an intentionally out-of-body experience. And it's funny because the, we, in psychology, we talk about immersed self-talk and distanced self-talk and immersed self-talk is when you're in the thought stream, when you're in the thick of it, you're like, Oh my God, I can't deal with this. I can't take this shit anymore. You know, and you're, then you're panicked. Whereas distance self-talk is you can speak to yourself in second person or third person. John, what are you doing? Ooh, I like that. What's that that thought about? And and there's a lot of research to back Hmm. this up that it helps you to step out of that thought stream and gain some distance. It's kind of like, I remember, and I've told this story before, but like I was asking a client to describe their anxiety. And he said, it's like a tornado. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Ooh, and geez. i said so now what i want you to do is or i guess hurricane because there's an eye of the hurricane right yeah. i always get those confused i don't live in the midwest um or the south and so i said what i want you to do is imagine stepping into the eye of the hurricane where things are still swirling around you but there's air you can breathe you can relax a little bit it's safer and then the next step is now imagine you're the weatherman with a safe distance between you and the hurricane, and you're reporting on that. So now you're two miles away. And then you can continue that by, you know, let's imagine you're the news anchor safely in the TV studio talking to the weatherman. Oh, that's awesome. But the, the problem with that approach is it takes, it, it requires a cognitive load. In other words, it takes energy, cognitive energy. And so far easier to just remind yourself to think about yourself in that second or third person. Like I'll talk to myself in we a lot or John, as opposed to when I'm using I, or me, or my, yeah. then you're in the thick of it.
1: I, I've i never, this is amazing. I've never, I've never, that third person to where like, I'd be like, okay, Michael, blah, blah, blah. What's that? You know, you know it's kind of funny. I have to say, I have to, I have to lighten this up for a split second. So I, I love going to Southern California and I live in Arizona. Okay. So I would live in Southern, if, if California wasn't such a dang mess, I'd be living there in a, in a heartbeat, I'd be living there. Cause I love the beach, but I went there oh, yeah. last weekend and hit, you know, Laguna beach, Newport beach. And I ended up in Santa Monica Okay, right? and Santa Monica, you know, as anybody who knows Southern California, it's getting better, by the way, I was really happy to see the homeless, that some of the really tough situations over there, it's getting yeah. better, but talk about self-talk and outwardly self-talk. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I mean, Probably within about a three-hour period, five people were not only talking out loud, yeah. to themselves yelling out loud. Yeah, the schizophrenics and yelling. Severely like, mentally ill. You're an asshole. And, you're... and I was like, it's very shocking, right? It's, it just like yeah. takes you for a minute and then you just kind of keep going. But it makes me kind of chuckle at what you're saying that because we want to do it
0: not to where people can hear it. Right. right? You know I mean? Well, sometimes I, you know, I, I think it's sometimes I'll talk to myself out loud, like when I'm at home. But it's funny because I've the longer I've done this work, the more comfortable I am speaking to myself in different voices in my head. Like I'll talk to the little kid in me that might be frightened, for example, and be like, "Hey, buddy, like, not a big deal. Relax. I got this. You get oh, behind cool. me. Um, hmm. Let me let me take over." Because I don't want that little kid in charge of me. I don't want him coming out if if possible. And so I got sometimes I got to calm him down. And you know there's a lot of systems in psychology or, or theories that are moving in this direction, which is funny because 20 years ago I would have been like you mean like multiple personality? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and now it's like no no no, you really should talk to, you know, your 15-year-old rebel or your 5-year-old fear fearful uh, little boy. Um so, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's pretty funny. You know, I I think in many ways, you know, when I turn 59, I'm I am i am one year off 60, which it just it really does blow me away because I do feel probably 35, maybe 30, 35, right? Like just everything about me, my I don't even I don't dress old. Yeah, I don't act old, I don't dress old, I don't talk old. And um, and that's a whole nother story with I seem to attract much younger women, right? Because of my how I am. And I, I have older women. Well, my age, try to shame me and talk me, talk down about me. Like you know, don't you think you dress young? Don't you think you act? And I'm like, bye bye, <laughs> goodbye. Because it's toxic. It's all of that, right? But yeah. it's funny to think that I feel more like a little kid. Not fifty percent of the time. It's but it's probably not fifty, but it's pretty high. I would bet, let's say, thirty to thirty five percent of the time, I feel like a kid you know i'll run around the house i got a little i got a dog i'll make funny noises to the dog and yeah. do well, you never stuff. want to lose
0: that in my mind no i think cuz that's part of you know joy it's part of beginner's mind youthful exuberance
1: you i was just going to say that youthful vibe that youthful yeah. energy i i i can't be around people that that truly act old or they say phrases like this and i talk about this in my book if I used to be able to do this. I should do that.
0: Well, I when I was talking that. about mindset, I, I mean there's a classic study by Ellen Langer on aging and how mindset impacts our aging. And you know, a lot of us are like, oh, well, I guess I'm just too old for that, or I'm getting older, or now that I'm, you know, 60, or and what she found is if you convince yourself, or if you believe, if you choose to have the mindset of acting as if you were 15 years younger, let's say, there's a host of health benefits that come along with it. Higher IQ, better memory, better grip strength, more flexibility. But the one that blew me away is better vision. I don't know of any psychological intervention that will improve your vision. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) I was, so, you know, and that's, it's a great book called Counterclockwise. Um,
1: Counterclockwise.
0: And it's, it's incredible. And, but these mindsets are quite powerful. Um, I think we're just scratching the surface.
1: How do you feel about Dr. Joe Dispenza? Uh,
0: I think he's done some great work. I've only, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in what he's done, but I've read part of a couple of books and, you know, I think I first got turned on to him, I must have been 20 years ago. There was a oh, doc, wow. kind of a documentary out called What the Bleep Do We Know, which is amazing. And he was in that.
1: Oh, was he? Okay. Because I came across him probably just three or four years ago on YouTube. And just, you know, I mean, uh, the way he talks, I can't listen to him for too long. Because, you know, it gets, but, it, you know, your thoughts become everything else. Right? So yeah. And he and he really talks about the documentation of, of your thoughts and your health. You know, how, how people can think. And I do struggle with that a lot. I've got I I have a tendency to have a little bit of a hypochondriac mindset since a little boy. Yeah. And so I oh, 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 oh you know, I do that. And yeah. it doesn't and you want to talk about does it serve me well?
0: Well, and no. I do believe that belief becomes biology. And and I think a lot of us are with our thoughts, our beliefs, our mindsets, make ourselves sick. I mean, I think that, you know, and I can't say it's a one-to-one correlation, but I think stress leads to, stress in, let's see, how do I put this? Stress activates the sympathetic nervous system or vice versa. And when that happens, you've got cortisol and norepinephrine dumped into the system. If that's chronic and doesn't really get turned off, it can lead to inflammation in inflammation. a number of systems yep. in our body. And, you know, I can see where that could lead to depression. It can lead to cancer. And again, I don't think it's a one-to-one ratio. Sure, It's not a direct causal relationship, but it's a factor in there.
1: Oh, oh yeah. I mean, the, I, I, it really does go back to, and it's kind of what you what you do. The mind is so powerful. It just, it really, it, it's such an amazing organism, right? And, and I yeah. just think... For me, my goal is always going to be t- till I'm gone. What can I learn from every scenario? How can I be conscious as much as I can to, you know, and cause I'm very impulsive. I'm very aggressive. Um, um, that's just who I am. And so I, I do struggle with that where I just, I go at it. Right. And, you know, it's doesn't, it's not served me well sometimes. And so I'm trying at the age of 59 to slow down slow my, I move hundred miles an hour, slow down and just don't make the same mistakes over and over. Damn it. Jeez. Yeah. You know, when you do something and the result didn't turn out very well, definition of insanity is what? Doing the same yep. thing over and over and get, come on. Expecting so, a different result. Yeah. Yeah. So so that that's a big one for me is I think people need just, I think if, if to end this whole thing, if people are just become more conscious of their thoughts and become more aware of their thoughts and, and is it serving me? Is it serving me positive or negatively? And uh, I mean, you've said a lot of amazing things in this podcast and I, I, I'm right with you on everything. So, and you are going to be on my podcast, by the way, because <laughs> I want my listeners to hear you because I think you bring a wealth of knowledge to this sector. These, these, these men, these stressed out men, these unhealthy men, right? I think you can go well, deeper and,
0: than me. I mean, you know, you mentioned self-awareness earlier, and um, Tasha Yurek has some research that shows that if you ask 100 people, 95 of them will tell you that they are highly self-aware. And in fact, it's about 15. Yeah,
1: no, no way. And I mean,
0: and so I, I think that's one of the problems we face is that we we are convinced that we know our mind, we know our thoughts, we know what we're feeling, we know our values, and the vast majority of us have little idea. I wouldn't say no idea. But, um, and that's kind of the first step is increasing self-awareness.
1: Have you heard of the, the, the research? I Googled this the other day, just my ADD kicked in. And I'm like, how many thoughts does a human brain have in a day? And I'm sure you probably know them.
0: What? I have not found any research to back that up. There but you I've go. Had the same, I've had the same thought. And I've, so what I did is I just assumed a thought a second, which you can argue, you know, one way or another, slightly, but I think it's pretty reasonable. Which means that we have about fifty thousand thoughts per day, given our waking hours.
1: See, I see, I agree with that. Um, what when I googled it, and I don't know wh- where it came from, it says six thousand. And I, and typical me, I pull up my phone and start doing the math. Yeah, I was like, that, n- no,
0: no. I that's mean, way maybe if you're a monk and you can kind of shut down thinking, <laughs> it just no, doesn't I was seem high yeah.
1: I mean, my, my and, and I brain... Think,
0: you know, some people have faster thoughts than others. Some people... We have layers of thoughts. Um, I think intelligence speeds up our thoughts. ADD speeds up our thoughts. Um, and yeah, I, I like... Because I did this a while back. In fact, mm-hmm. I got it on my wall here. So on average, we have 50,000 thoughts per day, if you agree with that assumption. Because of the negativity bias, about 80% of our thoughts are negative. And you can say that you know it's 60%, but it's definitely more than 50. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so that means we have about forty thousand negative thoughts each and every day of our life, oh. times three hundred and sixty-five days of the year is fourteen point six million negative thoughts that you tell yourself every year of your life. And when I was when I was oh doing this, I was gosh. trying to prove that thoughts are important. And when I finished it, I was like, "Oh shit, that's not the question. The question is at what point do you begin to believe all these lies? Like I'm an, I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. I'm too fat. Nobody likes me. I'm not worthy. All that stuff. Whatever your kind of hall of fame negative thoughts are." If you hear them a million times, you're probably pretty likely to believe them.
1: You know what's interesting, and I, we should probably talk about this off the podcast. But okay. <laughs> yeah. I, well, well, I feel like there's not a lot of like organizations for men. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of get-togethers or whatever for men, right? And so I was going to do one here in Phoenix and spearhead the whole thing. And I'm not a real event guy. I don't like. I don't want to set it up or any of that stuff. I'm the guy that just get me at the front of everybody and just start going. But I feel like there, there is something that should be out there you know, with people like you and I, you know, like professionals that specialize in certain things. Maybe there's six of us, And maybe you could make me more the physical guy or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But you get like five or six, you know, professionals that have these events or have these Weekend outings and I mean I've heard of a couple before. Yeah. A couple of them are a little bit funky to me. They're a little too rah-rah. I'm not I'm not into that
0: rah- -rah, It's funny that you mentioned this because I was just thinking about this about, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. And I started thinking that, you know, I've been trained to kind of see clients one-on-one. Same here. And that was kind of the rule in my mind. And then I started thinking, well, we know there's an epidemic of loneliness among men. We know that adult men often lose friendships for a variety of reasons. They move divorce, whatever. And so I thought, maybe let's look at if the rules aren't working, let's change the rules. And so I started talking to each of my adult male clients. And I said, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And what I was thinking of was just getting everyone together for a dinner, simply for the purposes of connection. Connection, no other right. Agenda. Exactly. And every every client to a man was like, absolutely, I'm in.
1: Yes, that, that's like, what happened here in Phoenix. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because I think men are yearning to be. I don't think they want to do the cry on each other's shoulder thing. I don't think that's it. I think it's more With we're so connection, we, connection. It's huge,
0: enormous, And especially. in COVID gave us all a slap in the face socially, and so we just had our first kind of get together last week. And oh, you did fantastic. There was uh, there was ten of us there. Awesome. And I asked twelve, and Everyone said yes, some couldn't make it, but it was just really, really enjoyable. Oh, that's amazing. see, that's exactly what I was and thinking about. There was laughter, here. there were smiles, there was connection. Yep. I mean, and connection on levels that I didn't even see coming. And oh, so really? it, was, it was really cool. Yeah. It was fantastic.
1: See, you're onto something because that's what I was thinking here in Arizona was there, you know, you know, and for me it would have been more the high driving guys. Like cause that's who I relate to, right? So, and not to like um, alienate anybody else out of the group and you don't belong or anything like that. But, but just really the, the kind of people that I work with are growth driven men, very, very, most of them are powerful men of some sort, but they're just broken in so many facets of their life. And if they got together and just had a casual little, you know, there's no premise to it. There's no real end goal to it other than just let's get together and meet. If you guys talk about whatever you talk about, go for it. And that I don't know exactly how yours went, but but I feel like that could be a move in the right direction to get men to, to feel more connected.
0: Well, we just went to a great Italian restaurant and had some wine and had some great Italian food and just talked. See, there you go. There you go. See, I mean,
1: now, did they want to do it again?
0: We're going to do it once a month. There you go. There you go. See, I love yeah. it. And everyone was quite grateful. And I was just like, huh, maybe we're onto something here.
1: That's, that's what I was thinking a couple of months ago was. There's got to be something where men can drop their guard, yeah. Um, and I think it's got to be—it's got to be somewhat private. It's not the right word, but it's got it to be something where they feel, feel safe,
0: safe and secure. They gotta feel safe. Where they're not going to be humiliated or mocked, I think is. Or,
1: or exposed, I I, or yeah. like. Like somebody's going to go off and you know, you know.
0: Yeah, there's. Somebody was yeah, in the there's no ambush coming.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I think no. But if they feel if, they, if they're in an environment that's safe, that's trusting, um, I think that's so powerful. I think that's yeah. so it's cool you did that. You know, congratulations, that's awesome. Thanks. That's awesome. All
0: right, so I, I got to wrap up. Yep. Um, So let me ask you: Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have, or anything you would like to mention? Oh, and um, also, would you sa- share the website of where people can pick up the book?
1: Yeah, no, um this this talk went way better than I thought just because I, I don't I've never there it is. Wait, didn't, there, there, it is. Go.
0: there it is. Oh, it, <laughs> I've got a filter on. Through. It keeps getting yeah, blurred out. dominate I'm your hard. market.
1: Well, it's a, it's a bright yellow book. It's the yellow book. But no, um this was an amazing conversation. Um, you know, cuz I we've never met. So, just to hear your depth of knowledge, you know, it, yours is a lot more Educational than mine. Mine's kind of in the trenches, just raw, just as as I stumbled along my life. I've been like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Well, yours is a lot, a little bit more educationally based. But no, I think we covered a lot. Um, but I definitely want to have you on my podcast for sure, no doubt, absolutely. But um, yeah, with the book, um, you know what? I changed the website about three weeks ago to giving away chapter one for free. Okay. And chapter one, and where is, can they get that? It's uh, DominateYourMarketBook.com. Dominate I always say, forget the. So it's www.DominateYourMarketBook.com. So Excellent. it's the word book on the end of the title of the book.
0: All right. So thank you very much for joining me on this. I really appreciate it. And for you listeners, thank you very much for your time and attention. I really appreciate that as well. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and share. And if you didn't like it, You don't have to do a damn thing. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com.